be wondering why there are guardrails on the stage and why there's a yellow Camaro on the stage. And uh, we're glad that you're here. If you missed me week one, it's up on the website and uh, you can catch up there. And so how'd you do with your guardrails this week? Did you do okay? Put up any new ones? Uh, pay a little more attention uh, to the guardrails in our lives? Had your early detection warning system going? So you just, whoa, back up a little quicker this week when you needed to. And uh, with all the rain and ice this week, I'm sure that you were thankful for real guardrails as well out there uh, this week. I got to practice what I preach only a couple hours after church last Sunday. Last Sunday morning, right, preached on guardrails. And then I had a hockey game that afternoon. And I got to, I got to practice what I preach. I play in a men's league and most of the teams we play with, most of the teams are a real good bunch of guys. They're old. They're laid back. They're not trying to make it to the NHL. Out for a good skate and hopefully keep all your teeth. But there's this one team. There's this, there's this one team. And we were playing against that one team last week. And they, they just take me right straight to the edge of my guardrails. And uh, anyhow, they're young. They're fast. They're out to kill. And uh, one of their monsters ran one of our smaller guys, crushed him like a paper bag. And then, so I just, for the last nine or ten minutes of the game, I just sat on the bench, couldn't go out on the ice. And, and going over those boards was a guardrail for me. And, and, I, and, and something was just clicking in my head saying, don't do it, don't do it. You, you just sit right there. And uh, so I didn't do it. I just, and the guys were coming off saying, hey, it's your turn, get out there. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, I am not going back out there. And uh, so, anyhow, paid attention to my guardrails. Aren't you proud of me? <laughs> Wesleyan pastor loses mind at hockey game. Yeah, <laughs> I said to the guys afterwards, they all know on my team, they know what I do. And I said, well, now you know why I don't take my helmet off after the games when we're shaking hands. I don't, I don't want them to know. To know. Wait a minute. Do I see you at a Christmas production or something. You look, you look familiar. Last week, we gave the definition of a guardrail for the series. Let's look at it again. We'll put it up on the screen for you. A guardrail is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience that serves as a guardrail for you. A guardrail is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience that serves as a guardrail to you. A guardrail is something that, that you set up, that you establish far enough away from the danger so that when you, when you bump up against it or when you get close to it, your conscience will, will just light up and keep you from doing something that will cause you damage, will cause you regret. And we'd all agree, we said this last Sunday, we'd all agree that there are things on the other side of the guardrails that we were never meant to get into. And the guardrails aren't there to, to suck all the joy out of our lives. The guardrails are there to protect us. They're there to keep us safe and to help us enjoy the best life possible. And your greatest area of regret probably could have been avoided if you had had some guardrails in place. Your greatest area of, of relational regret or financial regret or career regret or whatever. Your greatest area of, re of regret probably could have been avoided if you had had some guardrails place. Today we're going to look at a specific area of our lives where we need guardrails for our own good, and that's our friendships. 
and the friendships that you get into are like, they're like fish tanks. You, you get yourself immersed in the culture of those friendships and the culture of your friends. And you'll find yourself becoming like those who you spend the most time with. You know what it feels like to be with someone who has different values than you. And, and, and you're, you're with them and you're starting to feel a, a tension between their values and, and your values. You know what that feels like. And you're, you're starting to get pulled because you've immersed yourself in a culture that is different from where you want to be. And your parents knew this to be true, didn't they? And you didn't understand why your parents were, were so careful about this person or that house or, or whatever. And you didn't know why your parents said you couldn't go play with them or you couldn't stay overnight at that house. And you're thinking, why not? There's, their parents are never home. We, we can do whatever we want over there. Like, why can't I go there, right? Or why you couldn't date that guy. And your parents were putting up guardrails for you. Uh, when I was in grade seven, I get into the wrong crowd in our neighborhood. And this came to a, 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 a turning point one night when I took our neighbor's three-wheeler. This is back, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when, three, when four-wheelers had three wheels. Anybody else? You'd say to the kids, you know, anybody can drive a four-wheeler. Try one with three wheels. That takes real skill. So one night, I uh, took an unauthorized trip with my neighbor's three-wheeler, and I passed out in fifth gear and hit a telephone pole. And my parents put our house for sale. True story. And, and removed me from those friends, from that, from that community. Got me out of that culture and helped me get a fresh start. That's huge. You think that was worth it? If they lost money on the house, was that worth it? Of course, you know, where would I be? Like, of course it was worth it. It was huge. I needed guardrails. Uh, preferably, I needed guardrails in front of that telephone pole. But, but really, where I needed the guardrails was earlier that day when I was making decisions about who I would spend my time with and where I would be later that evening. You get an invitation on, on Facebook or someone in the office invites you out after work. And you know that when you go there or when you hang with them, that you find yourself doing things that you really would rather not do. Things that are harmful or hurtful. Things that cause you regret. Your friends can influence the direction of your life. And this is true at any age. This isn't just true for, for children or for teenagers or for young adults. Your friends can influence the direction of your life. And the reason why this is an issue is because we all want to be accepted. And when we're accepted by a group of people, you drop your guard. We'll do anything to be accepted. We're, we're opposed to rejection and we're, we're, we're attracted to acceptance. And so if we have to choose between compromise and loneliness... Right? We'll drop our guard and we'll choose compromise because we don't want to be lonely. We want to be accepted. And we'll choose whatever's going to make us feel as though we're accepted. Acceptance leads to influence. And so when I'm in an environment where I'm completely accepted, I'm open to the influence of the people around me. And wouldn't it be great if Moncton Westland was filling that void in people's lives? 
Wouldn't that be great? There are lonely people all over the city. There are people everywhere who, who would love to be accepted, who would love to be in, in, in family. They'd love to be in community. They'd love to get to know a, a, a group of people like themselves. Wouldn't it be awesome if people were pouring in here by the thousands to get into environments where they are loved and they are accepted and they can meet Jesus face to face? Last week, I mentioned some of the fools from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was written by a person known as the wisest person who has ever lived, Solomon. He was not a Leafs fan. And I don't usually preach from from Proverbs because uh, much of Proverbs, much of the verses of Proverbs are are one-off independent thoughts. It's this thought and then the next verse is another and they just keep going from one idea to the next. And so it's hard to take like a chunk of Proverbs and, and unpack that. Um, but the verse we're going to read in Proverbs chapter 13 says this principle uh, about friendship so clearly that it, we're just going to use it as our main text this morning. And since I cannot preach on just one verse, we're going to read uh, a few. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13, and read to 20. And 20 is the main verse for today. So here we go. Proverbs thirteen thirteen. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. (laughs) That'll preach. Those who respect a command will succeed. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. A person with good sense is respected. A treacherous person is headed for destruction. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And they even brag about their foolishness. We used that verse last week. 17, an unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. If you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. And here's our verse. Walk with the wise and become wise. That's a promise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. That's a warning. Walk with the wise and become wise. That's a promise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. That's a warning. Solomon says in this verse that wisdom is contagious. There's a a law of proximity that applies to, to wisdom. A wise person understands that that all of life is connected. They understand that this decision affects tomorrow and it affects my family and it affects my church and the decision that I make today is connected to my future. And they understand that good decisions breed good decisions. Healthy relationships affect every area of my life and I I can become wiser just by the people who I choose to spend time with. Well, that's encouraging. That's good news for all of us. But if you walk with the fool, if you spend time with the fool, if you hang around the fool long enough, eventually, Solomon says, your behavior will be impacted by the fool. And you'll say, why did I do that? You'll find yourself saying, what what was I thinking? Why did I go there? I I don't even like that. I don't even like them. (laughs) I don't like that place. Like, like, how did that happen? What, what, was I, what was I thinking? 
Why did I say that? Or why did I buy that? Or whatever. And you might not become a fool, but it will impact your life. And you think you're safe because in your mind you're thinking, well, I'll never do that, whatever that is. Or you would never associate with that. Or be caught there. Or go to that. And Solomon says you're dead wrong. He says that the companion of fools, whether you totally adopt their lifestyle or their pattern of thought, the companion of fools, you will eventually be harmed by the outcome of the fool's behavior. Now, every college freshman should have this verse. Proverbs 13, verse 20. They should have it splattered everywhere. Everywhere. They should have it in their closet. They should have it at their desk. They should have it beside their bed. They should have it tattooed on the back of both hands. They should have it on their computer. They should have it on their phone. They should have this verse everywhere. Because you're going to get, you're going to show up to college and you're going to get invited. You're going to be dared. You're going to be double dog dared and pressured. And some Friday night, you're going to be sitting in the library while the whole flow of culture is, is headed off in a different direction. And mama won't be there. And Pastor Tim won't be there. And in that moment, you're going to have to choose. Do I walk with the wise or do I associate with the fool? I think I should re-preach this message about mid-August. Before, right, before everybody goes off to, to college again. The Bible says that a person who knows the difference between, right? The, the Bible says that a fool... A fool is a person who knows the difference between right and wrong, but they don't care. They just don't care. And you can show them where that is leading. And you can say, don't you care about, about where that is taking you or, or, or what that's doing in your life? No. They just don't care. Aren't you afraid of what will happen? Nope. You can't reason with them. You can't, you can't say to the fool that that might ruin your marriage or that will negatively impact your children. It's not like the fool says, oh, thank you. Oh, I had no idea. A fool doesn't care. You can say to them, your boss might find out. Your professor, your teacher might find out. They don't care. They hear you. They see the guardrails. They even see the the negative outcome. They just don't care. And people who live that way, they live as, as if life is not connected at all. They think that what I did yesterday won't hurt me tomorrow. Or what I'm doing this weekend, it's just this weekend. Or what I did last year, it'll never come back to haunt me. What I do next month, it won't, that won't matter down the road. They, they compartmentalize. They disconnect their behavior from their consequences. And you teach two-year-olds consequences. They just don't care. And if you have friends who don't care about their lives, they're not going to be very concerned about your life. If you have friends who have very little concern about their health, or the health of their marriage, they're going to have very little concern over the health of your marriage. If you have friends who don't care about their reputation, they're not going to care about your reputation. If you have friends who are careless with their finances, they'll be equally 
careless with your finances. Like, come on, let's go. Everybody's doing it. And you might never say the same things or, or adopt, you know, the same mindset or look like them. But Solomon says, be careful. He says, be careful because the companion of the fool will eventually get in trouble. And as I'm saying this this morning, faces are coming to mind. Don't look around. You're in church. Be careful. Faces are coming to mind. And you're wondering, PT, how did you know? I didn't know. Solomon knew thousands of years ago. Solomon saw this. He saw people doing this. And, he's, and he's, he's looking at people who are making mistakes and they're hanging with fools. And he's like, that's going in my book. I'm, I'm writing that down. You, you hang with those people, associate with the fool, and you'll eventually become a fool. Hang with the fool and you'll hang, comma, with the fool. This is a principle. If it's a principle, it means that it applies to all of us. You're not going to be the exception to the rule. If you think you are, it's too late. The fools have got you. If you're sitting here thinking, well, yeah, I know my limits. And, and that, it, might, it might have hurt someone else, but it won't have hurt me. See, the fools have already gotten you. Because this applies to all of us. Now, this morning, I'm going, I'm going to give us some guardrails. Last week, you put up your own guardrails. This week, I'm going to suggest some. And as you hear these, uh, you might be tempted to push back and think, you know, that doesn't sound very, very loving. It doesn't sound very compassionate. It doesn't even sound very Christian to to do that. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is is hold your concern until, until I explain after the, you know, in five or six minutes from now, okay? Hold your concern. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't don't go for a coffee. Don't, don't uh, jump out of... Well, there's no windows. You can't jump out a window. And I'll come back later and, and clear it up. Are we okay? You all right? Okay. Number one, your conscience should light up. Your conscience should just... Should just woo, should just light up and go crazy when it dawns on you that your core group isn't moving in the direction that you want your life to be moving in. Something inside of you should fire and go, whoa, that group is moving in a totally different direction. That is not where I want my life to go. That's not who I want to become. That's not where I want to be down the road. When the lights go on and you realize that the values that you have for your life The values you have for for your home, for your marriage, for your kids, for your job, for your finances, your relationship with Jesus. That those values are in a totally different direction than where your core gang is going. Boom. Something should should just go off and light up inside of you. This is guardrail, guardrail, guardrail. What am I doing? And I I need to reevaluate this. What most people do when they, when, when they, when they clue in, when they realize, okay, the, the, the people who I'm hanging with are going in a different direction. What most people do is they just think, well, I, I'm no worse for it. It's, it's, I'm, not, I'm not really developing the same habits that those people have. They're, they're just friends. Or you might say, well, Pastor Tim, they're so funny. They're just a hoot to hang around with. I mean, they're just, they're just so stinking funny. Something should, should click 
fire snap alarm inside of you. Get yourself into better environments. Solomon says it's a principle. Give that enough time and it'll eventually affect you. This is one of the reasons why at Moncton Wesleyan we try so hard, keep trying to, to get you into environments where you're not just sitting in rows, but we, where we can get you to sit in circles with other people. We need to get you into, into home groups. We need to get you into, into alpha or into common grounds. We're hoping, we're praying that you'll adjust uh, your schedule. So, so this week, today, you'll either go to common grounds in the next hour and get around a, a table with a group of people, or you'll adjust for next Sunday and come to Alpha in the first service or whatever. But we're, we're trying to get you into places where you can get to know people who are moving in the same direction that you want your life to move in. And if you can't find the right group, start one. Host one. Lead one. Uh, just take out your, the Connect card in front of you and write home group and give us your information. And Don Ingersoll or Lil Harris or someone will contact you and tell you how to get started. Okay, number two. Your conscience should light up when you catch yourself pretending to be someone who you're not. Your conscience should, should just fire and light up when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you are. And, and you'll find yourself thinking, when I'm, when I'm with that group of people, I pretend. I'm, I'm a poser. Or when I'm with that group of people, I try really, really hard to fit in. Or when I'm with this group of people, I just ignore certain values. I find myself moving away from who I know I really am. Some of you have already been warned about this. Some of you, some of you men... You, your wives have said to you, you're a totally different person when you hang around with so-and-so. When you come back from being out with so-and-so, you're not the same. You're, you're not the guy that I know. Something's different about you. That should, that should just send alarms through your, through your system. It should be a wake-up call. Just smack you right in the head. Some of you ladies... After you hang out with certain, certain friends, your husband or your family can see a change in you. You're not yourself. And that should bother us deeply. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't bother you, you should be bothered that it doesn't bother you. Does that make sense? It should bother you deeply. And if it doesn't bother you, it should bother you that it doesn't bother you. And people who see this in time... People who see this soon enough and catch it soon enough, they, they put up guardrails and they, they change course and they back away from, from some of those relationships. And they realize that if they had continued on with those relationships, that the outcome would have changed the course of their lives. Number three, your conscience should light up when you feel pressure to compromise. Let me say it another way. When something that never was a temptation to you before suddenly becomes a real live option right in front of you, that should scare you to death. When you start to consider behavior that you always considered to be off limits, and you find yourself rationalizing this and wondering why you've always thought that was wrong, something should, should, should fire up inside of you, should scare you to death. Something should alarm in your conscience that, that, that 
causes you to muster up the heavy equipment inside of you to build and construct a guardrail so that you back away from that. That you, if you ever come close to, to whatever that is again, that you'll know early on and you'll choose to, to back away. You'll, you'll, you'll say, whoa, whoa, wow. I, I don't want to do that. And you'll establish a guardrail. And the next time you get near that, you'll see the guardrail and you'll back away. This always starts subtle. And then we begin to have conversations with ourselves about, you know, whatever that is, that, that attractive thing. You've heard me say before, the world is full of attractive things. The followers of Jesus were never meant to pursue. And, and it, it's just like the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden will be going off in your head. Where you'll, start to, you'll start to have questions with yourselves about, did God really say is that really what he meant? And, and we look for the line. Like, how, how close can I, can, I, can, I, can I get to that? Like, is this, is this wrong? Like, what if part of my shoe just kind of, like, is that, is that you know? We, we, get, we get technical with God because we, we're, we're like three-year-olds. We want what we want. We want it now. And we tell ourselves, well, I'm, I'm different. It might be wrong for someone else, but it's not wrong for me. Or that I can handle it. Or that I deserve it. Or whatever. Okay, number four. Here's another one. Your conscience should light up when you say, when you catch yourself saying this in your head, I'll go, but I won't participate. I'll just go, but, but I won't get involved. I won't participate. I won't do anything. Solomon said, that's not the point. You say, well, yeah, but Pastor Tim, I won't, I won't do anything. I won't get involved. That's not the point. Solomon says, an associate or a companion of fools will get into trouble. And the only way that you can be at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people is if you are at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. <laughs> That's how that happens. If you're kind of wondering, how did this happen? <laughs> that's, that's how that happens. And you never know when something bad is about to go down. And you don't want to be there. And so if you wouldn't take your grandmother, don't go. Do the granny test. If you'd be embarrassed to take your grandmother, maybe that's not where I should be. And I'm only half joking on the granny test. Because I think it's good. It's silly, but it probably works. If I wouldn't take my grandmother, I'm not going. Unless you had a real crazy grandmother. <laughs> someone, someone's sitting here thinking, you don't know my grandmother. <laughs> I wouldn't go where she went. No way. Number five. Your conscience should light up. When you hope that the people who care about you most don't find out where you've been or who you've been with. That should bother you deeply. And something should fire up inside you. It just says, whoa, 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 whoa. Guardrails, guardrails. I, I, I should not go there or be there or whatever. Not because you'd have to defend anything that you did, but because there's something on the inside of you that just tenses up about the people who love you the most, about them knowing who you were with or where you were. 
When you're already in your mind building your defense, come on. Huh? When you're already in your mind building your defense, just in case they ask, where were you? Who were you with? That should bother you so much that you just, you just, whoa, you just, you just like, can't go there. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. That's, that is a guardrail for me. And culture says it doesn't matter where you are or who you're with as long as you don't do, you know, whatever, right? As long as you don't make it on CNN, right? Wisdom says if it bothers me that the people who I love most and the people who I have the most respect for, if it bothers me that those people know who I was with and where I was, then that's a limit. That's a guardrail. Now, there's the five things. I asked you to hear me out for a minute and I'd come back around and explain where I'm coming from. If this doesn't sound very compassionate towards others, and you're wondering, okay, well, yeah, how does that line up with, with reaching spiritually lost people and having relationships with people who don't need Jesus and caring for, for the spiritually lost? How does, that, how does that all add up? Now, clearly, you've got to hear me clearly that there's, there's nothing that fires this pastor up more than, than lost people coming to Jesus Christ, than seeing changed lives. That is what I am all about, seeing people cross the line of faith, seeing people baptized. And this obviously, clearly needs to be a place where you can invite anyone, where anyone can come, and they'll have an opportunity to, to experience Jesus Christ. And I know that relationships require proximity. I understand that. I get that. And they, they require time and they require investment. I get that. But here's the key. Never confuse compassion with wisdom. Compassion will never require you to make an unwise decision about yourself. Okay? If you use compassion as an, as an excuse to jump the guardrail and do whatever, you're lying to yourself. But mom, I just want to date him so I can lead him to Jesus. I don't know how many times, literally, I've, dozens of times I've had engaged couples sit in my office across from my desk where the husband has told me straight, right straight to my face, after the, after the wedding, I will come to church. Never saw the man again. So be careful. If you really want to make a difference in people's lives, keep your values. Show them a difference. Show them the difference that, you, that Christ is making in your life. Don't be snotty and self-righteous and, you know, some ultra-religious, you know, weirdo. Be careful. Be wise. Establish your guardrails and don't jump them for anyone. Your relationship with Jesus is more important than any earthly relationship. So, how do we respond to God's word this morning? What is, what is the proper response for the way that God is, is speaking to us this morning, which frankly didn't begin with the message. I believe it began uh, the moment that we 
came in here and began our, our worship time this morning. And uh, uh, could tell during, the, during our worship time, God was speaking to people that God was going to be uh, stirring and doing great things in people's lives this morning. So, so how do we respond to Solomon's words? Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Well, one way that we can respond this morning is to repent, confess and repent, and ask God to forgive us for times when we've put other relationships ahead of our relationship with with God. Another way that we could respond this morning would be prayer, that we would be people of influence on others rather than others having a negative influence on us. And that we, we would influence others for Christ. And that the people around us, the people who know us best, would see Christ in us. And they'd say, can you tell me more about that? I, whatever that is, I'd like to know more about that. Another way that we could pray this morning, I think, is, is to pray for uh, people who we know who don't know Christ. People who we know who are spiritually lost. People who we're, we're genuinely burdened for and, and, uh, and we want to see them come to Christ this morning. There might be some other ways that God is speaking to you. Uh, the important thing is that we respond to him with honesty and full surrender. Let's pray together. Lord, you're here. We know that you're here. Your presence is here, speaking to us. And Jesus, I thank you this morning for every person that's here this morning. For those who might not even be sure how they got here. uh, Might not have even been planning on coming to church. And they're here. For others, God, who come every week and it's it's just a routine. I pray, God, that you would you would stir and awaken uh, their spirit this morning. God, for others who uh, who as 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 your word has been uh, speaking to us this morning, they've been realizing friendships and relationships where they need to establish some guardrails, where they they recognize they've been pulled and into into places and directions where they have, they have no business going. They, they, they don't want to go there. Uh, there might be people here this morning who realize they need to have some, some difficult conversations with, with friends. Lord, there could be others here, though there, there surely are others here, God, who, are, who know people who need Jesus. And, and we're bringing those names, those faces to, to you this morning right now. And so, God, we pray for ourselves and we pray for others. And we pray, Lord, that your your spirit would just continue to draw us closer to you and to draw others to you as well. And so now, Lord, as we we respond, uh, we pray that your will would be done, that you would would have all of our lives 100%, that we'd hold nothing back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.